All right, guys, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 8. We're still in John chapter 8. And uh, we're going to Romans. Yeah, why am I thinking John? Holy cow. This is, this is June 2023. This is not June of 2022. Okay. So we're in Romans. Okay. Wow. I, I maybe need some caffeine, not just green tea, right? We're in the book of Romans, chapter 18, chapter 8. <laughs> there is no 18 chapters. I just need to give it up, right? I just need to give it up today. Okay. Maybe it's what we're going to talk about that's kind of got me thrown for a loop. What do you mean what we're going to talk about today? Well, you know, we're, we're going through trying to understand what we believe. And we're talking about the reality of our faith in Christ. The just shall live by faith. And he's been expressing that, especially in living the life of the Spirit and guided by the Spirit. And we're going to talk about more about that today, especially in an area that he referred to in verse 17. We're going to look at verses 18 through 17. But in verse 17, he says, And if children then, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, provided we suffer with him. And so last week, if you remember, we talked about that there is the reality that if you know Jesus, you are going to what? Suffer. Now, here, here is the reality with that statement. We don't like that. Do, do, do you know what I mean? The whole concept of going through a difficult time, we don't, we don't like that. I, I haven't met anybody that says, I like having problems. If you find somebody like that, direct them to a counselor. Seriously, move them so, to, to reality because that's not normal thinking, okay? Most of us, most humanity, all humanity is spending its time trying to avoid difficulty, right? I mean, it motivates us in how we, we vote for who we vote for because we vote for candidates that are going to make our life easier or, or better, we don't vote for people that are going to bring misery to us, right? Okay? We, 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 we look for jobs that are going to better our, our situation, our living situation. We don't look for jobs that are going to create problems in our life. In fact, that's what we hate is being in a job that creates problems, right? We want, we want a job that's going to be okay. It doesn't have to be enjoyable, but okay. But at least improve my life a little bit and, and insulate me from... Suffering. We, we don't like suffering. Because why? It's the biggest thing that debilitates you as a believer. You say, well, I thought it was sin, George. Yeah, sin. Yeah, sin is debilitating. Sin defeats you. But let's be honest, okay? You still go on even though you sin, but the one thing that just really really wipes you out is the stuff that goes wrong, the crisis we face, the suffering we endure. That just saps the strength out of us. It saps our morale. It causes us to question. Question who? Question God. Why am I going through this, Lord? Why are you not listening to me? 
We want to avoid it. You know, there's an interesting trend that I see happening right now. It's been, it isn't because of COVID. It actually started before COVID and it has to do with death. Death. You know, traditionally in our culture, when someone dies, there is a period of mourning. And so you have visitations and you have a time where people can come together and grieve over the loved one who is lost. And then, and then there, of course, is the graveside burial and everything. And so then that somehow comes to a place where people can deal with their grief. Now, they, of course, grew a lot in grief later on. But here's the interesting trend that I see happening. It's happening in our culture all the time. And you'll see it in the paper when you read an obituary or something, is, is that a lot of times they'll say the services will be held later at the discretion of who? The family. Can I tell you that most of those never happen? Most of those never happen. Why? We don't like to grieve. We don't like moments of pain. We, we will do anything to avoid it. So we don't have those times of grief anymore because they're too painful for us. And, and so suffering is something that we we really don't like. But yet, so when we read something like verse 18, that being a child of God, the reality is, is you're going to suffer. We don't, it, that just doesn't set with us, does it? But I like what Paul does. Paul is going to present to us something that is telling us about suffering. Now, we like to avoid it. Now, he's not going to come and tell you to embrace it. Okay, that's weird. So by the way, I know there are some Christians that want to embrace suffering. Okay, live in a desert in a monastery where it's really tough or whatever and inflict yourself in repentance for whatever. No, 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 we're not talking about embracing it. He's actually going to present us with another option. And his option is not in how you deal with the suffering right now, either avoiding it or embracing it, but his option is where you turn your attention. Because let's be honest, when you're going through the crisis and you're going through the difficulty and you're going through the suffering, where's your attention at? On whatever the problem is and whatever you're going through, whatever the grief is, whatever the hurt is, he's going to come along and tell you, turn your attention away from it and turn it to something else. Look for something better. Wait for something better. And I think that's what's missing a lot. And we can have all kinds of discussions as to why that is. Why is that missing today, in, in, in especially in North American Christianity because somehow we've bought this idea that everything's supposed to be better and I'm, and I'm moving towards some sort of subtle form of health and wealth prosperity where if God is blessing me that everything's going to be okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. God can bless you and you can still have problems. And the reality is, is that what we need to do is quit focusing on now. Yes, it is painful. Yes, it hurts. And the grief for the loved ones, especially who we've lost, never ends. I've yet to meet anybody say they don't miss someone. So in a couple weeks here, I'm going to be traveling down to South Carolina with Lori. And uh, we're going to go, my son's graduating from his next phase of training with the Navy. 
And just an hour and a half north of where my son is at in Charleston is Florence, South Carolina. And, and in Florence is the National Cemetery. And I told Lori, we're going to stop by there because that's where my daddy is buried. And I can already tell you that when I go there, I'm going to have pain. It's, it's just natural, right? It would be unnatural if that was not true. But Paul's going to tell us, look beyond now. Wait for something better. Well, I'll let him tell you. Look with me. We're going to look at verses 18 through 27. And then we're going to see exactly what Paul's trying to tell us here. He says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We, ha we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. But he who hopes for what he but who but for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with words, with groanings too deep for words. He searches our hearts knowing what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at this. We're going to talk about this other option that he's going to look at here. Because right now the reality is, is that suffering's real. You can't get away from it. There's going to be some kind of problem. You've had a problem this week. You had many problems. We're entering into another week. There's going to be problems. Man, thanks, George. I came here to be encouraged. You're telling me about, I'm just telling you reality. But there's something else we can do. And what is it? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at verse 18. We're going to see about things being overshadowed. Suffering is overshadowed by something greater. We're going to see that here. And then what we're going to look at is expectations. You and I living with right expectations. Okay? Right expectations. So let me just go ahead and give you a hint. Here's a wrong expectation. That you're going to be able to live your life without any kind of problems. That ain't going to happen. Quit thinking that. Don't entertain it. That ain't going to happen. Your perfect plans aren't perfect. Why? We're humans. There's no such thing as a perfect plan. You can't factor in everything. 
So get your expectations right. And so we're going to see that here. Okay, so let's look at it. First of all, overshadowed. Look with me at verse 18. I mean, it's very real what he says here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's a true statement, right? When you consider, okay, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to that place where you accepted him as Lord and Savior in your life, you decided you're going to follow him with your life, when you think about what awaits you, what do you mean what awaits me? What awaits you, whether you die or Jesus comes back for you, what awaits you is that you shut off this old body, you get a new body, the battle ends, the battle ends, sin is gone, suffering ends, he'll wipe away every tear. When you think about what is coming, what you are going to be a part of, paradise, what's perfect, What you're going through doesn't even compare. All that pain is going to be gone. All the grief will never be there again. You will never shed another tear. You will never experience another pain. You will never live in dread again. Never again. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So here's, here's what I want you to see. So our present suffering is nothing compared with the glory that awaits us. It doesn't even compare. Can, can I tell you something? I, I know a lot of people want everything to be, they want to move to, and that's just natural. And if you weren't like this, I would say there's something wrong with you. But you got to only take it to a point. So everybody wants to better themselves. They want to do, provide for their families. They want to better them, prepare themselves for the future and retirement and so forth. And great, wonderful. You need to do that, okay? You need to work. You need to make your life a little bit more comfortable if you can, okay? But sometimes you can't, but it's okay to do that. But here's what I'm saying. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. What do you mean by that, George? What I mean by that is don't put your total focus there because the reality is it'll never be that. Think about when Jesus talked about the guy who, who built bigger barns and he said, now my soul is satisfied. And Jesus said, God says, you fool, tonight your soul is required of thee. You don't have control over life. I remember, you know, when we were in Canada for our first church, that was around the time of the Balkan Wars. So there's the Serbian thing and the Kosovo and so forth, and they're back in the news here recently. But the Kosovo refugees would came, to, we were outside a military base there in Ontario, and of course the Kosovo refugees were coming there, and you'd hear the reports and the stories, and, and I remember reading about one young man who was an engineer who had a good job, and he was living the party lifestyle, he had money flowing through, and then in one night, one night, he had to leave everything behind and flee to another country because he was a refugee and he lost everything. Life was perfect, he said. And then in one night with one army, it was over. And now he's in another country as a refugee. That's life. 
But when you think about our present sufferings, it doesn't compare. So you got to always have a better mindset that, yeah, I can try for it here, but it won't be perfect. But there's something better coming. The glory that is coming is so much better. In fact, that brings out our sufferings are temporary in light of eternity. You've got to remember that. You're going through something right now, it's only temporary. We said, I've been going through it for years. It's still only temporary. Uh, you don't understand, George. I've been going through this a long time. I understand, but it's, uh, it's temporary. Think bigger picture. Think long term. It is not compared with the eternity of glory that is coming. So get it in perspective. What you're going through is overshadowed by a greater reality that you are an heir to, that is promised to you. So hold on to that promise. Hold on to that hope. So then we've got to have our expectations. And so he talks about expectations. He's going to look at expectations from two perspectives. He's going to look at expectations from creation. Now, what does that mean? He's not talking about the world in, as far as the system. He's talking about our planet. He's going to talk about the creation from the trees to the animals. They have an expectation. We don't think in terms of that. We think that they're just there for our use. And if I want to go hunt a deer, I'll hunt a deer legally. And I will enjoy that when it's on my table. You know what I'm saying? In whatever form Lori cooks it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, whatever form you cook it. Or, or if you don't like deer, fine. Whatever your fish is. Or if you don't like that, whatever your vegetable is. Creation, okay? All right, so listen to me. What does he say here? Well, look with me, first of all, verse 19. Here's what he says. Just so you realize it, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Here, you maybe didn't realize this, but the planet is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Who's that? Who's the sons of God? You say, well, it's, it's angels. No, 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 no. It's, he's being a little bit more specific here. Who, to, to Paul, who's the sons of God? Anybody know? I don't hear anything. Tell me, George. Okay, here's what I'll tell you. You! Well, I'm already here. Why is it groaning? Well, you're not completely revealed yet into who you're supposed to be, right? You don't have the new body yet. When does that happen? When Jesus Christ comes back. When all things, creation will be made right. When the millennial kingdom takes place. When the lion lays down with the lamb, when the kid plays with a viper. If I saw my kid playing with a snake, you'd be, I would be freaking out. Yeah, but, but then you're not going to be, right? When we talk about creation. So right now, creation, the world, whether we realize it or not, is longing for something better because it wasn't created for that. Do you realize when God created a world, was it perfect? Yes. What happened? Sin, now where did the sin come from? Human beings, right? And human beings continue to what? Sin. 
and make mistakes and do what's wrong. So even like we're reading in the news about somebody blowing up a dam and causing economic and environmental havoc and loss of life in another part of the world. And creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God, which will happen when Jesus comes back, when everything is set right. Creation is groaning. Here is what I'm saying. So why? Because creation was unwillingly subjected to futility. Look with me at verse 20. Look at what it says there. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. The... the Creation didn't have a choice about what the outcome would be because of man's sin. So it's been subjected to the problems that it's going through because of who? Human beings. And so it's waiting. It's waiting for perfection, which will only come when who comes back, folks? You can't change it. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, I, I have a really nice office here at the church. There is no button on my desk that says, no earthquakes this week. Click. No volcano eruptions. Click. I don't have that button. You don't have that button. We don't have that kind of control, do we? Here's the third thing I want you to see. Verse 21, 22. And this is a reality... This is not a political thing, but this is just reality. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Why? Creation groans to be set free from its bondage to corruption. Listen, folks. The world isn't staying the same. The world is in bondage to corruption. Now, what does corruption mean? Can I give you an example? Okay, so you get a new car. All right, won't we love a new car? And we, when we first get that new car, we take care of it, we wax it, we undercoat it, we do everything we can. But here's the problem. We live where? in Clearfield County in Pennsylvania. And guess what happens when the winter comes? What do they put on the road? Salt and other stuff, right? They spray some stuff on it. And that stuff just kind of corrupts your car. It's a good way of saying, it. that rusts my car, George. That's what corruption means. And after a few years, it gets so corrupted that you decide you need another what? You need another car, right? <laughs> well, you know, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So what we live in a world where it is corrupted, and so things aren't getting better with creation. We know that. Now, we could spend all our time, and this is where the, we can get off in discussions about why that's taking place. I, I, I don't really want to spend my time. I'm just telling you the reality. The Bible recognizes because of sin, What's happening to the world? It's being corrupted. And so the creation is groaning for the day. It's expecting the day when who will come back? What? When Jesus comes back. Now it's interesting. Paul, 
I like the way Paul does things. What do you mean you like the way Paul does things? Paul, Paul takes it from something that we understand. And we understand. So we look at creation, we can say, yeah, I can see your point there, Paul. Yep, I can see it. Paul then moves it to now where you and I are at. He moves it to you and I. What do you mean? Well, look with me, verse 20, 23 through 25. He says this. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. So you can sit there and you say, yeah, I can see what you're saying, George, about creation, about, about where the planet is going and, it, and it, because of the effects of sin and so forth. But it isn't just the planet, Paul's saying. It's you and I. You and I. We, we, we groan. Don't you groan? Or, or like you, you get the call. Oh, I got this problem. Oh, this is happening. Yay! Are you cheering it on? No, you're like, oh, oh are you serious? If, I thought nothing else could happen. Have you said that one? I thought nothing else could happen. Are you kidding me? You guys don't talk like that? I say other things, George. Okay, but you understand what I'm saying, right? So here's what Paul says. So not only creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as the sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, so here's what I want you to see. First of all, believers groan inwardly for the day of redemption. So when you're groaning about the problem, it's not just that you're groaning about the problem. You're groaning because you're wanting something better. And as you mature in your faith, you realize that what, something better only happens not because you were able to create it or figure out your problem or, or create a better situation for yourself. I'm telling you that that doesn't matter how much you do, you're always going to have problems. Do you realize that? You're always going to have problems. But you're groaning for something better. What is it? Jesus, come back. Because when you're back, Lord... There won't be any more problems. That's why, listen to me, when you look at Revelation 20 and you look at Revelation 21, I think there is a significance. It can, you could just read it and just let it pass on by, but you need to pause where it says he'll wipe away every tear. And in other places, he gives the illusion that he'll give you leaves from the tree of life for healing. Don't you think we need healing? You and I need healing. What do you mean healing? I feel physically fine right now. I'm not talking just about you physically. How are you emotionally? Because you have gone through things in your life and you've just deadened yourself to the pain of them, but they're still there. How do you know that? Let somebody pick a scab. You thought it was okay, but somebody picked a scab and, it, and the feelings came back, whoosh, immediately, right? 
There's believers, there's, you groan inwardly for the day of redemption. Paul, I mean, man, could he not know us any better? That's where we are, right? Here, look with me, verse 26. And to help you, he tells you something wonderful. Because up to this point, you say, yeah, but George, I just feel so alone. The groaning is real. And yeah, I want something better, and I'm just going to hang on. But how about if I feel like I can't hang on? Don't you feel that way sometimes when you're going through it? It's like I can't make it through this next thing or another day of this. Or God, please stop. Look at what he says, verse 26. I think this is awesome. Look at what he says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here's what I want you to see. The Spirit helps us in our current weaknesses. Hey, can I be honest with you? Have you ever... I have. You think back over the stuff that happens, the crises, the, the struggles, the suffering and everything. Have you ever come to the place where you don't even know how to pray? You ever been there? I've been there many times where it's like, God, this is happening. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even, I, I, it's beyond me. I, I don't even know because it seems like any option is just creating a bigger problem. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. And by the way, those are real feelings. And it's okay if you feel that way. Why? The scripture just tells you he knows your weaknesses. He knows that you're going to come to a place like that. He's not surprised by it. I can't believe George is. I can't believe how weak George is. I mean, seriously, you would have thought by now he would have been in a better place. That kind of thought never enters into the mind of God. Rather, I knew he would come to this place. But he has my spirit. And my spirit knows what to do. And what does the spirit do? When we can't groan anymore, the spirit groans for us. Prays for us with words that cannot be heard. He's praying for you now. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So here we are, we're, we're longing for something more, but we don't know what to do. We're like, oh, we're struggling. We don't even know how to pray anymore. And, and, and the scripture says to us, yeah, but God's with you. And he knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. He knows that you can't handle this, but he's praying for you. Is that not awesome? And here we think, here's, here's the tip. This is George, okay? I'm going to talk about me. I don't know about you, but this is me, okay? Here, here I think, well, I'm not hearing anything from you, Lord. You must not be with me. I am so ignorant because the reality is the exact opposite. 
Even though I don't hear anything, it doesn't matter because he's what? He told me he would be with me, forever be with me, and even when I don't know how to pray, guess what? He's praying for me. This is what is so awesome. Listen, Paul's telling you, don't get distracted. Don't, don't embrace suffering. Don't try to avoid it. But, but look, look somewhere else. Look somewhere else, and I will help you. This is the thing. He helps us to look somewhere else. Okay? So finally, here's the final thing I want you to see. The Spirit intercedes for us when we can no longer pray. Look with me at verse 27. He says this, and, we, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Do you know what? Here's the thing. You know what? When I pray... I pray just on my understanding. I pray sometimes, I, I, I pray wrong things. Don't you pray wrong things? I often reflect sometimes when I'm alone in my office and I'm looking at my prayer journals and stuff and I'm thinking, oh God, thank you, you didn't answer that prayer. You ever thought that? But here's the thing, so when the Spirit prays for you, that's just me, the human being, trying to pray, and sometimes I don't get it right when I pray. But when the Spirit prays, the Spirit prays according to who? The will of God, which is what? Perfect for you. So when he's praying for you, he's always praying for what's best for you, what is right for you, what is meant for you for later on. This is what's awesome. So you say, okay, George, what, what do we do with this? Where do we go with this? Well, here's what I want you to understand, okay? Reality. Number one is a reality. Suffering is a part of our life. It's what you do with it. What do you mean what I do with it? I'm telling you, what do you do with it? Where is your focus when you're going through it? Get your focus off of it and put it where? On Jesus and the hope that you have that's coming. No matter what you try to do to avoid it, and maybe you could do some things to solve it in the meantime, but the problem is, is yeah, you got through this one thing, but have you noticed that you got through one thing? Guess what? Just wait. <laughs> Something else is coming. Boy, that's encouraging, George. That's, no, that's just reality. But the next time I face it, I can face it because I have him. And I am not alone. And I expect him that one day he will take me and wipe away every tear. But in the meantime, he knows my weaknesses and he what? Prays for me. He's there with me. And he guides me. So as you're facing the things you're facing, as you're struggling, as you're dealing with the grief, as you're dealing with the pain, as you're dealing with the hurt, where is your hope? So let me tell you, it can't be here in this present time. It has to be where? On Jesus. Shift it to Jesus, please. Let me pray for you.